Let's bring in our first guest this morning. Joining us here today, we have Brian uh, Sluzerchek. Brian, I apologize if I uh, mispronounce your name, um, but uh, it's uh, uh, you're joining us this morning. The CEO, Brian, is of uh, Secaticus uh, uh, Silver. And Brian, appreciate you joining us. Thanks for coming on the show. It's good to have you with us to talk metals. I want to begin with gold and the run-up amidst the uh, geopolitical tensions that we've seen. Considering gold's role over the years uh, as a hedge, um, you know, I, I can't help but think that uh, there's no really a surprise here to see some of the movement, some of the price activity we've seen in terms of the run-up and the geopolitical tensions we've seen. Absolutely, Ben. And I think it's important to note that even though the tensions and the invasion of Ukraine have prompted a short-term move higher in the price of gold, the macro setup was already there. We have quantitative easing infinity. We have monetary and fiscal stimuli, the likes of which the world has never seen. We have an artificially low interest rate environment and the printing presses of paper currencies around the globe are running 24 seven. So that macro setup for gold has never been better. It was a very interesting week for us at Zacatecas Silver because after several months of negotiations and due diligence, we just announced the transaction through which we're acquiring a very large gold asset. And as you can imagine with that announcement, uh, we had a lot of incoming calls the interest in gold, though, primarily in the equities, is still amongst specialists. We just did an $18 million financing, and it was all taken by precious metals funds, specialists, mining engineers, geologists, executives from mining companies. The generalists really aren't in the gold equities yet. I think that when they do come in, it eventually will lead to too much capital chasing too few quality names. The generalists have just been caught asleep at the wheel here in terms of the gold trade. Well, many have argued that the Fed's been caught asleep at the wheel here, too, as well. And, you know, getting into that, one of our guests talks a lot oftentimes about central banks, holdings of gold, uh, and he said that it's been on the rise. Absolutely. And what we've seen over the past number of years is a flow of gold holdings where the east where you have places like china like russia like india accumulating gold hmm. whereas in the west we've been chasing cryptocurrencies hmm. we've been chasing nfts we've been chasing digital uh, representations of gold it, and it's been a very interesting several weeks here we've seen russia accumulate gold russia has to a large degree created this tension, this tragedy unfolding in Europe right now, they're benefiting from their gold holdings. And at the same time, they're, of course, benefiting with their oil and gas holdings, etc. And it's showing the fragility of the natural resource supply chain. And I know that you've covered it in detail here in the past. But when you have places like Germany reliant on Russia for 50% of their gas needs, it, it, it invokes this very difficult situation. And I think what it's going to do is wake people up to the fact that we need good domestic production of strategic metals, metals and oil and gas, or we need access 
in all Western nations to safe, reliable, ethical, responsible supply. Because right now, so much of that supply of critical metals, oil and gas, et cetera, is coming from places like Russia and China that right now are proving not to be responsible trading partners. Yeah, we were joking around in the office uh, before the show, in order to roll back our dependency on Russia and some of the other countries, uh, ultimately, we'd be talking about going back to the 1950s, it seems like, or beyond, um, you know, in terms of uh, rolling things back. But getting to your point, the fragility, uh, fragility of the natural resource supply chain, and you also mentioned uh, the tragedy that uh, Putin has created, ultimately, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, are we shifting now from this kind of global initiative to kind of come together on uh, trade deals and, uh, for example, environmental issues, ultimately, to now, are we kind of separating and getting in our own corners, ultimately, sanctions? And uh, it just seems like we've seen a quite a rapid shift from uh, this collective effort to kind of come together globally as nations to now, again, we're sort of, uh, you know, trying to establish our own independence in many ways. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head and the need for real domestic supply certainty has never been more evident. And we see it in spades with the oil and gas situation uh, in Russia vis-a-vis the European shortages that are occurring and may occur even more dramatically as we go forward. But the metals are also very important here. Without copper, for example, there is no Tesla. Without silver, without copper, there's no electrification, there's no infrastructure build-out. Why are we allowing so much power uh, in this dynamic to sit with nations that have proven to be unreliable? We need to foster the development of good minds, of good ethical, responsible sources of these very strategic, very important metals to electrification, for industrial functioning. We need to encourage that in our own backyard. And I think that the shockwaves that are being sent through the world right now are really exposing the natural resource conundrum, the natural resource fragility of supply for the first time for many of the general public. You know, Brian, that's a conversation we oftentimes have with a lot of our oil analysts on the show, and we talk about how it takes a little while for, again, some of those higher prices to bring about some of those expenditures and get some of the oil pumped out of the ground. So there's no real immediate relief here right now, it sounds like, in terms of some of these inflationary pressures. This could be an ongoing issue for for a while. That's right, absolutely. Now, when we look at projects and the gold project that was just acquired by Zacatecas Silver is a good example. We look for high margin, uh, potentially very high profitability projects, even if gold pulls back. And we think that's the responsible thing to do. However, we're very bullish on the environment for gold. And like I say, just anecdotally, going through this $18 million Zacatecas financing, it's all precious metal specialists that have chosen to buy into Zacatecas over the past week. The generalists just aren't there yet. So while I think that this fragility of supply chain, while the macro picture for gold is starting to get talked about out there, it's still very much in the equities sector specific. And again, I think the generalists are going to start to nibble here in some of these gold and silver equities in relatively short order. And when they do, again, it will be too much capital chasing too few quality deals. Mm. 
And that's when we can see the valuation, the multiples mm. really spike. These gold companies at $2,000 gold, at $1,900 gold, a lot of the gold companies are absolutely printing money. So they're in great shape in terms of the free cash flow they're generating, etc. But the multiples will improve, in my opinion, when the generalists enter the fray, because for a large degree, they're just not there yet. Hey, Brian, great to have you on the show. I hope you come back at some point to uh, continue to talk metals here with us. Brian, uh, always a pleasure. Or look forward to that at some point. Brian Zuckercheck, thanks for joining us again. Brian's the CEO of Zacatecas Silver.